0: beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving Day. It's a day that our Parliament has set aside as a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed. Many in our society don't view Thanksgiving Day in that way anymore. Many do not see that their blessings come from the hands of Almighty God but it's different for us, beloved, as God's people. This spring, we had a service in which we asked for God's blessings on our crops and labor. And so, in the midst of a beautiful harvest season, we take the opportunity to give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his care over us. This past spring, we reflected on the uncertainties caused by COVID-19. Already at the time of our prayer service for crops and labor, COVID-19 was having... A devastating effect on our economy. Many businesses were shut down or experienced dramatic slowdowns in work. Many employees were laid off or had their hours reduced. Many were uncertain about what the coming months would bring. Business owners were concerned about continuing to have enough work to provide jobs and hours for their employees. Many among us faced concerns about. was going to be a struggle to pay our bills. We're not finished dealing with the economic impact of COVID-19. Many businesses are still struggling. Some employees have been laid off or are on reduced hours. It's hard to imagine how Canadian taxpayers are ever going to repay the debt that our governments have incurred in the past year. But through the midst of all this economic uncertainty, life has gone on. Have any of you gone hungry during the past year? Have any of you not been provided with the basic necessities of life? Can you see God's sustaining care in your life? So, how are we to respond to God's goodness and faithfulness and love? Our text this morning provides us with direction. It's one of the Hallelujah Psalms found at the end of our Psalter. The last five Psalms of our Psalter all begin and end with the refrain Praise the Lord. They teach us to exalt and magnify the Lord's great name. We are to give thanks. Not just when life is going well for us, or when we feel blessed, or to do so in all circumstances of life. We were created, we were redeemed, we were sanctified, in order to be able to fulfill our God-given mandate, to praise our God. Psalm 146 exhorts us to praise the Lord for who He is, and for all that He does for us. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. Praise the Lord, the God of Jacob, who provides for his needy people. We'll see that our security is in the Lord, that our strength is from the Lord, and that our song is for the Lord. Psalm 146 begins with a call addressed to the whole congregation. Praise the Lord. This is immediately followed by the psalmist speaking to himself. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul. Verse 2 shows his determined resolve. He says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. The psalmist had to encourage himself to sing God's praises all his days. And surely we must do the same. Praising God every day, as long as you live, is not something that comes naturally to us. At times when God blesses us, when we're thankful and joyous, it's not hard to praise God. But glorifying the Lord is not quite so easy when we face sickness, hardships, struggles, and sorrows. Praising God in such circumstances doesn't happen naturally. It requires us to focus on God, not on ourselves. It requires us to remember who our God is, the glorious works that he has done and that he continues to do for us. Despite the fact that our psalm begins and ends with a call to praise the Lord, this does not mean that the psalmist sees life as easy come, easy go. The Lord's people are not exempt from difficult trials. Psalm 146 acknowledges this when it speaks about those who are oppressed, hungry, imprisoned, blind, bowed down, sojourners, widowed, and fatherless. In this fallen, broken world, we do face trials and struggles. Praising the Lord in all circumstances is not easy. In whatever trials or joys we may find ourselves, we need to tell ourselves, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Our chief mandate in life is to praise and glorify God, regardless of our outward circumstances. Yet in order to praise God in all circumstances of life, we need to put our trust in him. Our text says, do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. What the psalmist is saying is that we should not put our trust in the strong, the mighty, the influential of this world. Not in presidents or prime ministers or premiers or health ministers. Not in the United Nations or the World Health Organization. In the world around us, we see many people living in fear because of the COVID-19 pandemic. They're turning to our political leaders and the so called health experts, seeking comfort and assurance. Our governments and health ministers have a role to play in managing the COVID 19 pandemic. We need to acknowledge that they are faced with a difficult task. But, beloved, they can't save us from getting sick. They can't heal us if we are sick. The power of life and death is in God's hands. You would hope that a crisis like COVID 19 would direct the hearts of many of our fellow citizens back to the Lord. But instead, many put their hope and their confidence in human leaders. There are different people that have important roles in our lives, people that are able to offer support and encouragement. Counsel and advice. Think of your parents, your elders, your doctor or a counselor. In different ways, they can provide help for us. And yet our text warns us not to put our ultimate hope and trust in them. People most often don't have the power to save us. They're often powerless to help us overcome anxiety or depression, or struggles in our mental health. We have loved ones who care for us deeply, but they don't always have the time, the money, or the resources to provide what we need. The psalmist identifies all people as mortal. That means that every human being is subject to death. Soma says that when their spirit departs, they return to the ground, on that very day, their plans come to nothing. For many of us, the issue is not that we rely too much on other people. The real issue is that we tend to rely on ourselves. But each one of us is a finite being with all sorts of limitations. We're foolish to trust in our own strength for it can quickly be taken away through an accident or illness. Some trust in their appearance, but that too is silly, for beauty is fleeting and it soon passes away. Some trust in their own intelligence, thinking it's the ticket to help them advance through life. Yet without the Lord's blessing, our smarts will only get us into trouble. Many really intelligent people have made a complete mess of their personal lives. Rather than trusting in people, the psalmist calls us to put our trust in the Lord. He says, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So why is the Lord called the God of Jacob? Every Israelite was brought up on the stories of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The story of Jacob is a colorful story in Scripture. Jacob was a man who found it hard to trust in the Lord. Early in his life, he tended to rely much more on himself. Jacob was a schemer and a manipulator. He received the Lord's promise that though he was the younger son, he would receive the blessing of the firstborn son. But Jacob did not trust that the Lord would provide this for him. One time when Esau came home from a hunting trip famished, Jacob blackmailed him into selling the birthright to him. And later when Isaac planned to bless Jacob, Jacob deceived his old blind father by pretending to be Esau. He used lies and deceit to obtain Isaac's blessing. Esau was very angry with him, and the result was that Jacob fled from home to escape the wrath of his brother. We know the story of what happened. The Lord appeared to Jacob in a dream at Bethel, reaffirming his promises to make a great nation out of Jacob, to grant him and his descendants the promised land. Jacob lived with his uncle Laban for some 20 years, During that time, he competed with Laban in a battle of wits, trying to get ahead in life. In all this time, we do not see Jacob depending on the Lord or trusting in him. When Jacob went back to the land of Canaan, he heard that Esau was coming to meet him, along with a large band of men. It scared him deeply. He thought Esau was still angry with him and was coming to murder him. It's in this time that we finally see Jacob turn to God. He prays to the Lord, reminding him of his covenant promises. He asked the Lord to save him. The Lord delivered Jacob from Esau and his band of armed men. Through the years, he had worked change in Esau's heart. So instead of wanting to kill his brother, he wanted fellowship with him. All Jacob's concerns and fears were taken away. The Lord brought Jacob back to the promised land. And Jacob learned that God is good. He learned that the Lord is faithful, that he keeps his promises. Through their father, Jacob, God's people, Israel, learned to know the Lord as well. They knew how the Lord kept the promises that he made to Jacob. And how he prospered Jacob's way through the midst of many trials and struggles. And the result was they began to call the Lord the God of Jacob. This expression, the God of Jacob, is used about a dozen times in the Psalms and occasionally elsewhere in Scripture. By referring to the Lord in this way, the Israelites expressed their trust in God, that He's faithful and true, a God who is reliable a God on whom we may depend for help in time of need. The psalmist expands on why we can put our hope in the Lord. He gives two further reasons. The first is that the Lord is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. In contrast to people who are weak, whose plans come to nothing when they die, the Lord is the all-powerful God, the creator of the world and everything in it. God made this world. He owns it. He controls it. As the one who holds the whole world in his hands, God is able to care for us. And that's not all. psalmist also says that God is the Lord who remains faithful forever. Our text uses God's covenant name, Yahweh, a name that shows his faithfulness, his reliability. The point is that the Lord is trustworthy. When he promises to provide for us, we can take him at his word. He will do it. Have we not experienced that in the past year, beloved? Despite the COVID-19 pandemic and the economic consequences of it, Has not God shown forth his goodness and his faithfulness to us? While parts of our province were quite dry in the latter part of summer, the Lord has blessed our farmers with good crops. What I hear is that many of the crops produced above average yields. Once again, we see the Lord's blessing in providing food so that man and animals alike may be sustained. Among us, some were laid off due to the work slowdown caused by COVID-19. Some have been on reduced hours and not working as much as in past years. For some of our young people, it's harder to find a job than it was in the past. God has provided for us. Some have found a different job. Others have supplemented their income in different ways. The bottom line is that we have food on our tables. We have clothes to wear. We have homes to live in. God is good. He provides our daily needs. We're truly blessed when the God of Jacob is our helper. For it's Him and Him alone, for it's Him and in Him alone that we can find security. In our lives, we will face hardships and struggles, just like Jacob did. But through the midst of them all, God will keep us safe. He's promised to defend and preserve us, to provide all we need. We may depend on the Lord, because he's proven again and again to be faithful and true. We praise the Lord for his grace and his goodness to us. Brings us to our second point. And it will see that our strength is from the Lord. The psalmist goes on to list a bunch of people who are in dire straits. Speaks about those who are oppressed, hungry, imprisoned, blind, bowed down, sojourners, widowed, and fatherless. Yet in each circumstance, he speaks of how the Lord sustains or delivers them. The Lord comes to the aid of his people when they're in need. He provides abundantly for them. Listen to how the psalmist praises the Lord for the mighty acts he performs on behalf of his weak and needy people. He says he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. What wonderful promises God gives to those who are oppressed or needy. Sounds great, doesn't it, beloved? But is this really the reality of what we see all around us? If God executes justice for the oppressed, why are so many of his children severely persecuted, some even being martyred for their faith? If God gives food to the hungry, why do one in nine people on this planet go to bed hungry? How many millions aren't there in prison, or blind, or bowed down? Consider all the families that don't have a husband and father to lead and support them. So much oppression and so much need all around us. And life among us is not without struggles or hardships either. Some of us deal with chronic illnesses, with ongoing pain and other health struggles. Some face anxiety, depression, or mental health struggles. We face relationship struggles in our marriages, in our families, and churches. The COVID-19 pandemic its effects have created hardship and stress and worry for many. Also, in our lives, are hardships and sorrows and brokenness. So, what do we make of our text, which lists the wonderful ways in which the Lord comes to the aid of the oppressed and the needy? We want to believe that this is true. But don't the promises of this psalm look empty? It's not enough to say that some justice gets done, that some who are hungry get fed, that some who are in prison find their way to freedom, that some strangers and widows and orphans are protected. Psalm 146 is speaking about a new reality, one in which the Lord, who remains faithful forever, is sovereign and can be trusted to make all things new. So we wonder, why are things the way they are and not the way God intended them to be? One of the things we often forget when we're dealing with the Psalms is that they find their their fullness and their completion in Jesus Christ. And, beloved, that also applies to Psalm 146. Ultimately, Jesus is the one who provides true deliverance. At the beginning of his public ministry, the Lord Jesus spoke in the the synagogue at Nazareth. There he identified himself as the one whom God sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. During his earthly ministry, Jesus upheld the cause of the oppressed. He provided food for the hungry, at times providing foods for crowds numbering in the thousands. Jesus gave sight to the blind. He healed people of all kinds of diseases. He had a special eye for those who were oppressed, for the outcasts of society. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus showed that he was a fulfillment of Psalm 146, where the Lord promised to provide redemption for all who were oppressed and needy. And beloved, the freedom that Jesus gave was not just from hardship or poverty or physical need. No, Jesus came to deal with the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, which is sin. He came to deliver us from our sins and from the mastery of Satan, to bear the burden of God's wrath against all our sins, to pay the price we could not pay, to restore us to communion with God. So we could come to know God as our Heavenly Father, as a God of mercy and grace. So we could learn to trust our Heavenly Father, Provide for all our needs. Beloved, we are exceedingly rich. We have a God who loved us so much, He gave His dearly loved Son to die for us. It gives us confidence to look to God for strength in the midst of all the hardships and struggles we face in this life. For not only is He Almighty God with the power to help us, He's also our faithful Father in Christ who loves us dearly. Our Father's great love for us makes us confident to trust in Him for all we need. We may be sure God will give us all we need to serve Him in this life. He may allow us to face hardships and struggles. We may be confronted with sickness and sorrows. At times we may go through deep valleys. God has not promised that our passage through this life would be free from suffering. We're living in a world under the curse. We're faced with sin and with all its consequences. Yet we serve a God who has promised to deliver us from all that. In Christ, God has not only provided us with a Savior to save us from our sins, He has granted us a Redeemer who will completely set us free from all the consequences of sin. In Christ, God is going to make all things new. The Lord promised we will dwell with Him on new heavens and a new earth. Just like Christ received a glorified body at His resurrection, so we too will receive renewed bodies which are no longer subject to sin or death. God has promised He's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things will pass away. In that day, God's promises made in our text will be completely fulfilled. But what about the here and now? Can we take any comfort from our psalm in the midst of our adversity, hardships, struggles, and sorrows? Yes, beloved, we can. Our text ends with this comfort The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. We serve a God who is strong, a God who is loving. A God who cares deeply about his children. A God who is with us always. Has promised to never leave us or forsake us. In the midst of all the sorrows and struggles we face in this broken life, we may look to our gracious God to provide us with strength. When we're weak and needy, we may put our hope in the Lord our God. He will sustain us through all trials we face in this life. Brings us to our final point, And we'll see that our song is for the Lord. We've seen how our security is in the Lord. That our strength is from the Lord. There's only one possible response to this. It's that we show forth our thanksgiving to God. That we glorify him for all the mighty deeds he has accomplished for us. That we sing praises to his holy name. Singing hallelujah in honor of our God. Do you do that, beloved? Are you thankful to God on this Thanksgiving weekend? Will you take time to speak with friends and loved ones about the good gifts that God has provided for you? Will you express your thanksgiving in prayer to our Heavenly Father? And how else will you show that you're thankful in your daily life? The Bible calls on us to show forth our thanksgiving in word and Indeed, by singing and prayer, but also by how we are to live God-pleasing lives. Is it your intent to show forth your thankfulness for God's grace and goodness, also in how you live your life? Beloved, it's by praising God in word and deed that our souls are lifted up. That our hearts are encouraged. For in praising God, we're also assured of his nearness and care in our lives. It's true that we don't always feel like singing. When life struggles surround us, it may be the very last thing we want to do. You remember how the psalmist exhorted himself at the beginning of Psalm 146. He said, Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Remember the Apostle Paul's encouragement to the saints in Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Our God is good and he is faithful. We have every reason to give thanks and to praise his holy name. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together from Psalm 146, stanzas 3, 4, and 5.